You are listening to The Town of Stone's Throw The Seeds of Power Episode 1 All right, Artie, all aboard. Time to get in the car as she's all charged up. Let's hit the road. We have one last leg left in this trip. Our new home in Stone's Throw is only a stone's throw away. Merle was happy with his joke. Art groaned at his dad. I mean, why did this new town have to have a built-in dad joke? And this wasn't the first time his dad had used this one. I mean, not even the first time this morning. He used it before breakfast. He used it during breakfast. And again now. Dad, seriously, that joke again? And enough with Artie. It's Art now, not Artie. I'm 14. Auntie Jay was already in the car and everything was packed from the motel. One last day of driving, and then they'd be at their new home. Well, home for the next four months or so. Their home until his dad's new archaeological dig was finished, at least. Art, his dad Merle, and his Auntie Jay. That was Art's whole family. Auntie Jay wasn't even really his aunt, of course. She was more like a nanny slash grandmother. Art couldn't help but feel lonely in the back seat. I mean, he was glad to be with his dad and his Auntie Jay, but he wished he had his own friends who weren't his family. He also wanted to do more of his own thing. Only he didn't really know what his own thing was. I mean, not really. His father, Merle, always loved archaeology and was buzzing about this new job, excited to be leading another new archaeological excavation. And this time he got to work with a local crew, so he got to meet new people. Art, in contrast, felt unsure of heading to another new town. He had just started making new friends at the last place. Art, I'm sure you will make some new friends when we get there. I know, Auntie Jay. It's just another new town, another new school... It's hard starting all over again, and high school this time. Who knows what bullies will be at Throwing Stones High School? Now, Art, you know that's not its name. It's called Tall Trees High School. And from what I've read, it is quite a good school. The Conleys continued their journey through the rugged terrain of British Columbia. It was hot for July and the summer sun beat down. There were mountains and forests as far as the eye could see in the wilderness. Ugh. Why does it have to be so hot? Oh, child, this is a lovely heat, and I know you'll miss it in the winter. Besides, this is practically cool compared to where I grew up. It would have been good to have air conditioning in the old SUV, but our batteries wouldn't last as long. And, well, we are nearly there, folks. This should be the last tunnel before the logging road shortcut. I'm sure you'll love Stone's Throw Art. There's so much history for a small town, so many stories to uncover. Plus, you might try your hand at fishing. Maybe we can charter a boat. It's going to be fun. And there we go. Here's the logging road. They turned down a logging road, their electric SUV and trailer full of stuff, as it wound around the last mountain and down to the coast. 
Merle was obviously excited about his work. And so you see, Art, the most fascinating thing about this dig site is that the initial markings that the local museum team uncovered have never appeared in this area before. They are certainly not indigenous. That might just mean proof of an earlier human migration to this area. It's like we're on the verge of discovering a whole new chapter in our history. Yeah, that does sound amazing, Dad. I guess. Art dear, look out the window. That should be Stone's throw down there. Such a pretty town. And the docks even look busy from here. But Art wasn't so enthusiastic. He remembered their last place and how the bigger local kids targeted him as the new kid. And they mocked his shyness and made him feel even more alone. Every time they moved, Art wished his mum was still with them. His mum, Gwyn, had died when Art was only four years old, and that's when Auntie Jay became part of his family. Well, technically, Auntie Jay was already part of the family, as she'd been part of his dad's family first. Auntie Jay used to be Art's dad's nanny first, so Auntie Jay really was more like a grand-nanny to Art. So since Merle's work led them from town to town, it really meant that Art never settled down with new friends. So it was just the three of them, really. Sometimes different colleagues join Merle at different dig sites over the years, but only sometimes did they come with their families. And when they did, it was fun, almost like having cousins around. And those kids certainly understood what it meant to be different and feel alone. Still, Art missed his mom. As if Auntie Jane knew what Art was thinking, she said, You know your mother is so proud of the young man you're becoming. You have her kindness and her strength. Art smiled at that. Auntie Jay also knew his mom since she was young. And even though she had been gone for ten years, Auntie Jay sometimes spoke of her in the present tense. That quirk always brought a smile to Art's face, like his mom was still watching over him in some way. Before the next trip, Merle, you have to get the stereo working. How about I tell one of your favorite old stories to help pass the time? Would you tell the tale of the fiery mountain? Of course! You see, Merle, it's his favorite as well. Every one of my kids and grandkids love the story too. As you both know, long before there were writings, people told history in story. This is one such history, and it takes place in the beautiful lush lands of Africa. In the area where this particular story takes place, there were 12 villages. The 12 villages were connected by a network of wide paths. The villages could trade with each other and plan together as a larger community. In the center of all of these villages stood a large, solitary mountain. The mountain stood tall and proud in the center, with the twelve villages circling it. Its sides were jagged and rocky, and the peak was sometimes lost in the low clouds. Everything was peaceful for many generations around that mountain. And then... One night, the land became angry, and the ground began to shake. People were worried. This happened again the next night. The earth shook, and again the people were scared of what they might have done. This happened again and again. Each night, for twelve nights, the earth shook and the mountain billowed black smoke. Sometimes, after great rumblings, stones would roll down the mountain or even fall out of the sky from the black clouds above the mountain. On the twelfth night of tremors and smoke, 
the village leaders called for a kutana. The twelve village elders from the twelve villages came together to deliberate on what they must do. After much discussion, they finally agreed on a safe course of action. Everyone must leave this place, for the mountain was angered. The elders returned to their villages to tell their people to immediately leave their homes and travel east to the ocean and to safety. The night of the Kutana, as villagers were readying to leave their homes, the ground again shook and, for the first time, the mountain glowed and fire on the mountaintop could be seen in the night. This fire was seen by people in every village. All around the mountain, the people panicked. They grabbed what they could and left for the coast in the night. They knew there were other villages there and there was the hope of safety. In the village in the valley, every villager ran away from the mountain. That is, except for a single boy who would not leave his valley home unprotected. In the village in the forest, everyone ran from the flaming mountain. That is, except for a single girl who would not leave her forest home unprotected. In every village, there was one child who heard a calling from their lands, a call for aid. Each one heeded the call they heard. They defied the commands from the elders. And, instead of running from the flames, each of these children climbed the mountain, heading towards the flames. They each did so alone. They went to save their valleys, their forests, their rivers, their meadows. They each climbed alone, up the mountain, and they were surprised to meet the other eleven children when they reached the massive flaming pit high on the mountain. Worse and much more surprising, monsters and demons were coming out of the flaming pit, and what they saw around them was that nature itself was protecting the world against these creatures of fire and darkness. The vines and trees were trying to block the creatures. Animals were pushing boulders into the rift. Giant birds were dropping branches and stones from above, hitting demons back into the pit. Water was being carried to pour into the pit and steam erupted. But nature was losing the fight. More demons came out of the pit. In that moment, all twelve boys and girls knew they must pledge themselves to save the earth and put back these demons. And so they pledged their lives to work with nature. They pleaded for strength. They pleaded for the power to help. They knew that if nature heard their calls and granted them the strength they needed, then they could help to save their villages from this blight. And nature did hear the children's prayers. In the middle of the chaos, each child was granted a unique power. One boy grew in size and strength and grew to have the legs of a horse. He was able to kick monsters back into the pit and his archery skills became unmatched. One girl was gifted the power to conjure water. She was able to put out flames and even redirect rivers uphill and into the flaming pit. Another boy was offered a branch from a tree to use as a staff and with it he could wield the magic of the air. He was able to blow demons back towards the pit. Another girl, young and small, shrunk smaller still and grew wings so that she could fly through the night air. She darted through the sky, catching flying imps and creatures and throwing them back to earth. 
the 12 children worked together and fought alongside the forces of the natural world. They battled the blight through 12 more days and nights. They caught demons and pulled them back to the pit. Together they pulled all the demons back and sealed the pit. And eventually, the earth calmed. Finally, completely exhausted, the children rested and they looked upon each other. Yes, they were now safe, but they were each also wholly transformed. They were no longer the children that climbed up the mountain, that was for certain. They had wings and hooves and magic. They were still themselves, but changed. They had grown. They were fey. As the trees and rivers settled back, the twelve knew that they could never return to their villages. Their peoples would not recognize them and may well fear them. They also sensed that their work here was just beginning. They knew they must work together to protect the earth from any future blight. So the twelve travelled together, living amongst nature and nurturing it, keeping it safe. These twelve, and their many children after them, travelled the earth. They sensed where they were needed and would go. They would treat droughts or put out fires. They helped calm hurricanes and tornadoes and settled locusts before they swarmed. They helped humans work with nature and they pushed back the blight wherever and whenever it surfaced. Auntie Jay continued to tell the story, telling the different stories of some of the original children and their adventures. I always imagine each of my kids in those stories. Definitely reminds me of your mother when she was about your age. She was brave and fiercely protective of those she loved. And your father too, always curious and willing to jump in to help the underdog, even as a young boy. The car wound its way down to where the logging road met up with the main road, and they made their way into town. Here are the docks, and there are several ships in at port. Oh, and look, it's one of those old-timey American-style diners, the Spoon Diner, right there on the docks. I bet they make great burgers and shakes. We should go there sometime. You can't say old-timey, Dad. You're an archaeologist. Oh, and look, there's my new high school. Stone's Throw is going to be good, Art. This is a much smaller town than our last place. It will be safe around here, and you can head out whenever you want. Jay, I really want to do a quick drive by the dig site before we go to our house. They passed the ore gravel pit. There was a big, temporarily closed sign out front. The gravel pit was closed when the archaeological site was discovered. The site happened to be just next to the gravel pit. The potential historical significance meant that any construction or digging nearby had to be stopped. Mr. Orr, the owner, was apparently very upset and had lodged complaints with the city mayor. You can stay in the car if you want. I won't be but a minute. Hello. You must be Hank with the museum, right? I'm Merle Conley from the university. Well, hello, Dr. Conley. I was told not to expect you for a few days, but... Oh, I'm just very excited to see this place, and thank you for watching over it. We just arrived, and I couldn't wait to see the site. Dr. Conley, please feel free to look around. The site is all yours. We have already found interesting things. 
Very promising. Oh, yes, very promising. I'm a, a bit of an amateur Indiana Jones myself, you know. I won't start now, but I'd like to, Hank. Everyone is still in the car. We haven't even seen our new house. Gotta get the family moved in and all. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Thanks again. See you tomorrow, Dr. Conley. The SUV pulled into the driveway of their rental house, which was a two-story house nestled between the tall pines just outside of town. Here we are, Art. Home sweet home. It looks nice. Okay, everyone, let's unload the car and trailer into the house. I can't wait to get started tomorrow at the site. Come on, Art. Let's pick your room. Once you're unpacked, you can explore the town. Yeah, sure thing, Dad. A lot of boxes to unpack first, though. Your dad is just excited, Art. Give it some time. You'll find your place, too. But find your room first. Then, second, we have to unpack all the boxes. You have been listening to The Town of Stone's Throw, The Seeds of Power. 